Bill Simmons hosts the most downloaded sports podcast of all time with a rotating crew of celebrities, athletes, media staples, and a slew of other friends and family members who always happen to be available. Check out the Bill Simmons podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. <laughs> when will you all learn? Uh, when will we learn? Don't do it. Hi everyone and welcome to Writers House on Ringer FC. Hope you're all safe and well. This week we're going to chat about Manchester United and how the future looks so bright for them on the pitch. Uh, we're going to give flowers to the wonderful Emma Hayes after Chelsea won the Barclays WSL on the weekend. And we're going to chat a little bit about Chelsea's win over Manchester City and look ahead to this weekend's FA Cup final. And my guests today are Karl Anka and Mr. Ryan Hun. How you doing guys? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Right, you can't not nod your head, right, because it doesn't work. <laughs> I was uh, waiting for Carl to start doing yeah. good. Let's do, you know. Carl, you're looking cool, bro. Always smiling, love the style. Ryan, looking cool. Everything's cool. Are we okay? Are we in good form, everybody? I'm in good form. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The sun is yeah. shining in Manchester a little bit. And, Where uh, that is, sweet yeah. It the sun is shining in it Manchester, is. man. Is it Mr. Cavani signed a new contract? Yes, that must be good news for guys. That must so be good I'm quite news. Happy. So when he was saying, when Cavani was saying, I'm homesick, do you think that was just his contract kind of negotiation? Because for me, and his goal again, the goal against Villa um, is one of the reasons why he should be signing again. You know, to watch him for another year for Greenwood might be good. With all the Greenwood talk about being a centre forward, I think where he's playing is probably where he should play, coming off of there, doing his finishing. Because if he hasn't seen that kind of movement now, and I haven't seen it from Greenwood up to this point, where he's gone from back to front to get that cross from Rashford and was his proper centre-forward football man. Proper he's getting, He's getting there. I think, well, the first thing with Cavani was there was a really interesting press conference maybe a month and a half ago mm. where Solskjaer just talked about the human element. He went, look, Cavani's great. We, the door's open, we want to keep him. And he, said, and he just basically went, you know, the COVID environment means he hasn't had family over mm. and he hasn't, he goes, you know, he's moved here in August and he hasn't had a chance to sample the Manchester culture. And he says, as some of you know, when the sun's shining in Manchester, there's rarely a place better to be. Yeah, and but it's only sat five there. minutes though, bro. I was, sat there, I was sat there on Zoom going, when do I get to experience <laughs> exactly. Manchester culture? That's and now, five you minutes. know, sun shining. I'm like, oh, that's what Solskjaer was telling me about. Manchester's I get quite nice. I get, I get it. it. I understand what Ryan's been talking about. <laughs> yeah, enjoy the enjoy one of those four days of sun. <laughs> the thing with the thing with United is like Chelsea. We're going to speak about Chelsea because Chelsea, for me, are at the moment. They, you know, what I mean, they're like, how can I say? I think was it Carlo, was it Musa who put that analogy of the Star Wars ships coming out of light space, bro, and just landing. <laughs> That's what Chelsea feel like. And for me, I think it was you. Was it me who came with that one, or was it Carl Anka? But I think it was you. I, I think, you. well, I, I kind of liked it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> looking at Man United, especially if 
the word on the word on the street, the word on the street is Jaden Sancho. Um, if they can get that Pogba signing, um, Chelsea just need the forward and whatever Tuchel does is probably going to work. I could see, I could see danger. I see danger with United. I see danger with Chelsea. Yeah, I'm trying not to think about it. No, you got to think about it because it's 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 coming. And not, you know what it's like? It's like the film Armageddon is coming and there's hardly anything we could do to stop it. <laughs> it's like Jurassic Park when you see the water start like going boom, boom. Oh, boom, that's the like, one. Yeah, oh, God, she's like, oh no, because you can't see it and it's so far away, but yeah. you're aware that it's there. You're like, oh no, I don't it's know how danger. long we've got, but whatever, this doesn't end well for any of us. <laughs> I don't know. I think the Cavani thing for United makes so much sense. And I think you would like to think in an ideal world that if they do add another piece to it, I'm not 100% sure it'll be Jaden Sancho. You don't? Honest. No, I think it's going to take a hell of a lot of money. 90 million, I'm hearing. It which was 120. Still, which, yeah, which is still a huge amount of money. If they sign someone else in that front line, which I can, it would be such a Man United move to sign someone else, actually, that's pretty decent to, to add cover in that front line. Just give Marcus Rashford a little bit of a break or allow Solskjaer to manage his playing time a little bit more next season because he's going to probably go to the Euros, right? And he probably shouldn't because mm. he he needs some rest and he needs, he's been carrying these knocks for what, over a year now? Yeah. But what about that imbalance, right, Carl? What about the imbalance from the creation that comes from the left, which is never ending to the, to the fact that there's hardly anything that comes from the right, hardly anything in respects of what they do on the left side? It's... So at the start of the season, I think United played Everton just before they won the international breaks and it was like 50% of their attacks went down the left. It was all Luke Shaw, Everton, Wan-Bissaka and at the time it was Greenwood who was still learning the mm. right-hand side, wasn't doing much. And it's slowly getting closer to 30, 30, 30. Uh, I think what's quite interesting is quite a lot of teams just give Wan-Bissaka loads of space on the right-hand side. Mm. So... I watched the Leeds game and Leeds man mark and Leeds basically went, yeah, Wan-Bissaka doesn't do much. So we'll just leave him to it. Mm. And Burnley had one where they sort of just left Wan-Bissaka out in loads of space. Mm-hmm. And I remember writing a piece going, if you just leave a player out there in loads of space, just give him the ball. Cause it doesn't matter if his talent isn't the best, but eventually he'll start doing good things. And then lo and behold against Roma, Roma mm-hmm. tried to give him the ball and he pops up and gets an assist. And I think that's yeah. been interesting. Greenwood's got really good quite quickly on the right hand side but I still think it's one of those things where he does have these moments where he gets caught between two minds because he's thinking like a striker but he's playing on the wing or then when he's playing as a striker he's still thinking like a winger so there's times when he's out wide where I'm going you need to drop back and there's times when he's playing as a centre forward I'm going don't don't move left and right just stay yeah. as a central point point. and that goal he scored Carl was proper stri- striker bam yeah. bam yeah. he just left Tyrone Mings like twisted blood I was like oh man yeah. But um, there are they're good pieces in this United team and they're yeah. just so... I always do this pause when I'm trying to describe them because every time I want to describe one point about United, I have to describe four extra points. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like we did, we've done a couple of TV bits where I'm just going, oh, they do this and they do this and they do this and they do this. Because yeah. um, they're just... I'm not sure if they're good. I know they're good. Mm-hmm. You know, they're good with the question mark. Like they're kind of good. Yeah. I'm not sure if they're good. Like you, you look at Chelsea and you go, yeah, that's they're good. Yeah. That, they're good. They're good. They're yeah. going to be a problem next season. You look at City, they're good. Yeah. Going to be a problem next season. You look at Liverpool and you go, they're tired, maybe. Yeah. And you look at Spurs, you go, hmm. You look at Everton, you go, okay, first team good. Fringe players need some work, blah, blah, blah. You look at this United team, you go, I don't know mm. all the time. I remember at the start of the season, I was saying about, Ollie and vibes and whatever you say. You know what I mean? The fact that, yes, they concede lots, they concede goals early, but second half of games, they just go bam, bam, Pogba and Cavani off the bench. Or, you know, Bruno looks a little bit tired at the moment, but like, again, he only needs two, three minutes of his best in a game and game's turned. You know, you look at Green, you look at Greenwood, you know what I mean? He's playing on the, on that right there, bam, 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 goal. They could, they, they beat teams. They can beat teams. They've got so many ways of beating teams. And you I- still feel though, right? Mm. That you know, it's still not as cohesive as Chelsea are. You look like you feel like you just put a centre forward into Chelsea, done. You mm. know, especially um, when you looked at the way they played against City the other day, done. You look at Man United, it just feels like all the pieces are there, but it's still a little bit Van Gogh when you look at the picture. Like <laughs> once they kind of turn, they, they kind of fix that Solskjaer. Look at Man, Man United at a canter of finishing like what second mm. at a mm-hmm. canter, bro. 
we could say whatever we want about Liverpool's tiredness and injuries and everything like that. Tottenham's demise, you know what I mean? Chelsea coming back after Frank at the start of the season. But Man United have been there all, all season. The thing that I find interesting about Man United, and a couple of things, so I'm very quiet since Christmas, just in terms of like the overall discourse, not a lot of Man United chat around because no. they're just, they're just plodding away, not really doing anything particularly wild since the Spurs game. Mm. I don't think it was, well, the Spurs game at home, that is. I don't mm. think there's been any major raised eyebrow mm. moments with Manchester United, which I think, if you consider it the last six years, is a really good thing. If you can have a very quiet season, finish second behind this Manchester City squad and reach a Europa League final, mm. that's pretty amazing. I mean, mm. obviously, obviously till recently yeah. with, the, with, the, mm -hmm. with the protest stuff, yeah. which is a different thing. It's nothing to do with Ollie or the players. Yeah. I wanted to raise something because obviously you mentioned the vibes thing before. And, yeah. I, and I, I know that a lot of people, because football fans and Twitter banter, et cetera, et cetera, mm pull out the stuff that you were saying from that Righty's House episode and mm. throw it up every now and again. But I was thinking about this because I don't actually think at the time it was a massively unfair thing about the vibes. Yeah. However, I think at the time, to quote Barrington Levy, the mm. vibes is right. The vibes is right. <laughs> Obviously, Carl is a, it's, watches Man United in far greater detail every week. But I think that is actually a nature of uh, Solskjaer's management in yeah. the sense of at the time, for example, you could see, like I remember writing a piece for The Ringer about um, after the North London derby last season, that even though Arsenal lost, you could, at the time, see the path forward for Arsenal yes. yeah. more clearly than you could for Spurs because Arteta was demonstrating yeah. a clear goal tactically. Yeah. And I think that's what's really interesting about the thing when you said, you know, if Arteta was, had, those, had that yeah. Man United job. Yeah. Because I think what, so much of what Arteta wants to do and I'm not making this about an Arsenal thing. I'm no, no, focusing no. this on Manchester United. Yeah. I think relies, it's like Pep. It's like he's grown up around that, well, not grown up, but he's, he, you know, he did his kind of, cut his chops around that Pep environment. Yeah. I think Manchester United actually have the players that would allow Arteta to, to execute a lot of what he wants to do more, more clearly. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah, right, I, I, the reason I wanted to throw that in is yeah. because actually that's what I think that's what I, I, think, I think people get it a bit twisted when you Yeah, but I get it like, twisted, right? It's, simply but, because it's a, it's a way to, to dig you out. Yeah, so I think, man, I think uh, Solskjaer is actually, uh, I think, a really interesting manager in the modern mm. era because... Man manager. He's learning on the job. Right? Yeah, yeah, he is. Right? He's learning on the job as well. But also I think that he's, he's kind of like Play-Doh-y. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think one thing that goes really underrated about Solskjaer is actually that he does look at the players they all have and he could go to another job and probably manage in a like tactically in a completely mm. different way based yeah. on what the players he has and actually I think now that you see the problems that's, that so many clubs have when they appoint managers who have this like massively clear Ideology. tactical plan yes, and, they, and it's yeah. solely relying on the players actually yeah. there's something that deserves a lot of credit for a, a manager who's just like what do I have what yeah. can we mm -hmm. do it's Tuchel yeah Tuchel what Tuchel's doing yeah, yeah. but I, th I think Tuchel has a clear plan eventually mm -hmm. but Tuchel is really good at I think Chelsea's squad overall is, is better than Manchester United, so I think he has an advantage there for sure. Mm. But this is where the, com the, the discussion around Solskjaer is really interesting for me because it's like, like Moose and I were saying on Stadio, it's like, he's doing a great job. I think he's a great coach, actually, Solskjaer, but there are better coaches out there if Man United wanted to become like a, like a force, if yes. that makes sense. Like a yes. kind of like a, a real, you know, like the Man City, Python, bam. Yeah, we're going to strangle elite teams yeah. kind of force. So it's a weird kind of like, yeah, he's doing great. Yep. But, this, yeah, but, yeah, but the know, thing is, yeah, can I just say, Carl, it's just, I, I don't mind when they come with the, the vibes and this and that, because I, I say, the, I, I felt like the way that Mikel was doing his stuff, you know, it, it felt very organized. So you think if, if, if United were kind of more organized, they should be, they should be doing a lot better because their team is so good. So I, I will not, I will not um, step off of the vibes because like you say, the vibes, the vibes was right then and mm -hmm. their vibes the vibes are right now I've got no problem with, with being able to say that because I wasn't saying it in a derogatory manner I was just saying it just feels like it could be a little bit more sucked in and really like more streamlined like I say right you know stick with the at the time and you're doing it from the time you're saying it I see mm -hmm. the time that the way it looked and how he organised our players you think that if he had those pieces Mikel 
there's certain kind of pieces which I still feel that he needs now, even though he has made some mistakes that make you think, well, he's going to make mistakes. He's still a rookie manager. He could do a lot better, but I've, on many occasions, and I will continue to do, is give Ole Gunnar Solskjaer credit for what he's done up to this point and where he's going. So I don't mind that. Give the, they could tw- Twitter and everybody, they could come because I will not say anything that I go back um, when we come off and I sit down and people start firing at me, right? And then I say, oh, shit. I wish I never say that because I don't say stuff. Mm. I don't say stuff for the sake of saying it. I say it because I mean that at the time. If you come back, especially constructively and say this and that, then I say, well, to be honest, I go, kind of got that wrong. And if we look at what's happening now with our Mikel's playing and our Arsenal playing and our social, then you could say, yeah, well, you kind of got that wrong, but yeah. it's still a vibes mm-hmm. vibe about it. I mean, like I was saying before about how quiet things have been going at Manchester United, I think you look what Solskjaer's approaching, it's just over two and a half years that he's been head coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The and best, best since, since Alex Ferguson. Since yeah. Ferguson, if they've lasted that long, who's got to two and a half years with such little talk about them though? Mm. Like he's kind of rode through that storm and what actually you'd say probably now is the quietest the discourse has been about whether <laughs> Solskjaer should be there or not, which yes. I think for him, it's just, like hats off, man. If I had a hat. If I had a hat, yeah. 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 I think he's been really interesting because he has made us all reevaluate what we think of managers, right? Mm-hmm. So, like Ryan said, most top level managers, Champions League level managers, or even, you know, what you want to be in the Europa League, have their own style, right? So, Tuchel turns up at Chelsea and we all vaguely know what Tuchel is going to do long term. Uh, Mourinho turns with Spurs. We know what Mourinho does for football. Arteta has his own process, but we all know eventually he wants to do this 4-3-3 carpet. Mm -hmm. Right? Solskjaer turned up and we didn't really know what he wanted to do. And then you get the impression that he was figuring it out as he went along. And we all went, well, that's not how every other manager does it anymore. You must be a PE teacher. (laughs) Whereas what he's clearly done is gone, no, wait a minute. Let me just keep looking. Mm. And go, oh, Greenwood's good at this. Let me change this slightly. Oh, Pogba probably needs a defensive midfielder. Let me move him out on the left mm-hmm. and put Fred and Scott McTominay behind him and see if that changes things. And goes, if I move Pogba to the left, that means he can't hit the passes from deep anymore. But that also means the link-up play on the left-hand side is different so I can get more crosses in. Yeah. That probably means he needs to bring in Cavani. You're like, oh, you're, you're building things in a different style mm-hmm. compared to every other manager. And it's not he's good or bad. It's yeah. just he's different compared to all the top Six. I called him. I called him. Um, I called Manchester United a smart casual team smart or business casual. 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 And but, you know, you can say he, he manages off vibes, but yeah. he clearly puts in a lot of work he to does. maintain those vibes. Yeah. With the but Pogba about- thing, that was so smart. Sorry, yeah, right? The, no, no, no. The Pogba thing on. was so smart because, like, when he, when's Pogba played his best football? I'd be like club level. It's like in the kind of left of a three yeah. Juve, yeah. where he had like two, two enough of a midfield around him to to let him kind of riff. He, he, and he's riffing, bro. Yeah, when he like, play, he's, yeah. he's easily one of the best to watch. Oh, oh, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear. Especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. What about Basuma? Basuma making it clear now. He, he wants to leave. Basuma at United, it, that fits, bro. You know, if you could get Basuma and like Ryan's not, no, Ryan's not keen on the, the Sancho thing going because of his German, his German love. Someone's got to stick up for him. You know what I mean? But like Basuma, bro, don't, don't, Carl, I need something on Basuma. Because he's good. He's, he's really very good. good, bro. He's so, good. So I'd say like, late, late March, I wrote a piece about how Manchester United probably need a holding midfielder uh, covered like. 11 players, couple extra ones, went, these are all really good. These are all players that can play number six. 
And the top comment in all of them was like, where did you, where did you not put in Basuma? Why not Basuma? Basuma's great. Why are you not putting Basuma? I just very calmly went, I know Basuma's great. I know he'd be good for Manchester United, but he'd probably be even better if he went to Liverpool. Hmm. Now, I know Liverpool are in this half state right now with uh, Genie Wijnaldum. And Wijnaldum's this really, really good number eight who sort of can sometimes play as attacking, can sometimes be defensive, but he's really good at retaining the ball. Mm-hmm. He's really good at his off-the-ball runs. And obviously, Barcelona are interested. He might go away in a, in wow. a year. And I know that Liverpool are sort of like, okay, well, we want to keep Genie, but if he wants to leave, don't worry. I know how clever Liverpool are in the transfer market. The more I look at Yves Basuma, I'm going, oh no, that's who they want. Mm-hmm. That's the replacement for Genie Wijnaldum. So while I'm a big fan of Basuma, I thought he was really good when I saw him at Old Trafford. I can't get too excited about him because the more I look at him, the more I go, you're Genie Wijnaldum. Yeah. You're yeah, the but, successor. Yeah, but you look at Basuma and Basuma's looking at Liverpool and we know that Liverpool had their problems this season. And then you've got a choose between Liverpool and Man United in the current climate. Um, I'm probably to have. I'm probably going to go with Man United. Yeah? I, yeah? Yeah, I am, yeah. At the moment, because we're looking at, obviously, if we didn't have the pandemic, they would, there's certain things that's going to happen where they, someone gets sold so they can finance. Um, and what's going on at Liverpool? There's a lot of players getting into that 30 kind of age bracket. Mm. You know, Van Dijk, Henderson, you know, the three guys up front. And you think to yourself, yeah, Liverpool, magnificent with what they've done the last couple of years and that. But like you look at Man United and what Man United are on the cusp of doing, it's a much more attractive proposition right now. Much more. And it's not just, and I'm not being disrespectful to Liverpool, but there seems to be, for me at Liverpool, where's the funding for like when they've done the Coutinho to get everybody in? Where's that Mm. when they sold the Suarez to get everybody in? You know, where's that funding coming from, from Liverpool for them to then say, oh yeah, I can look at Liverpool and see, oh yeah, I see what they're building yet. But you've got three unbelievable players who are getting to a stage of their career where, where they're like, um, mm, do I still, can I still go to Real Madrid? Can, no. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not looking as attractive with all due respect to Liverpool because I know I'm going to get Liverpool. But you know, that's, that's just, hey. But also, but also, but also the, the traditional kind of ang- ang- what's the word, end destinations for, mm. for those kind of players doesn't really exist anymore mm. because of the, the current state of European football. Mm. So it's like, you know, Bayern, for example, would never pay that kind of money. Mm. So they would only really sign, I mean, actually, I think someone like Salah or Mane would do unbelievable things at Bayern. At Bayern, yeah. Oh, yeah. But they just wouldn't, and actually Bayern could do with another wide forward, but they won't pay a transfer pay fee that like money. that, anywhere near that money, I don't mm. think. But if they could get them for cup price, if you're talking like 60, 70 million euros, I think Bayern actually might have a, might dip into that because Real Madrid can't, not unless they shift three or four players and one of them's Hazard. Um, Barcelona can barely afford to pay their players as it is. Mm. The, you know, it's really kind of PSG. I mean, Inter are PSG. flat broke as well. Yeah, yeah. Literally, I think literally the two, maybe three clubs I'm not sure if I'd include Manchester United in this, but the only real three clubs in Europe at the moment that can afford to pay anywhere near normal transfer fees are probably PSG, Man City. Man United. Man United and or Liverpool. Chelsea, maybe. Chelsea. Chelsea, Chelsea, perhaps. But I think that Chelsea, if you look at them over the last few years, they've kind of been selling so well, which is why they've been able to buy. They've kind of, the day, I think there's something actually that, goes underappreciated at Chelsea is the shift in intact in terms of mm. they don't just yeah they spent a lot of money last year but they've always they've also sold really well over the last few years you know, I mean those those like two or three years where they just kept selling people to mm. Chinese Super League teams for like 20,000 billion <laughs> euros <laughs> <and you're> like, <laughs> you know we talk, we're going to speak a little bit more about Chelsea in a sec but I wanted to talk Carl tell me about <laughs> you're a champion bro the Marcus Rashford book it's done we saw it in the Saw it in the in the um the WhatsApp group the other day. It's there. You got to tell me about it. How did it go? How, how to tell us? Talk to us, man. Tell me about your book, man. How excited you are? Um, I still struggle to find words. I was sort of flicking through the physical thing the other day, and I was just mm. going, I can't believe this is this is done. It it exists. It's physical. It's going to be in a bookshop soon. It's going to be 
on a billboard somewhere. Um, I'm just really grateful and really humble that it exists. Uh, I had a little moment the other day where mm. I was listening back to some conversations I had with Marcus and then flicking through the pages to go, mm. oh, that's when he said it. And that's <laughs> how it looks like in print. Uh, yeah, it was a really, so we, the book came together in about three months. So really, really quickly. Um, there's an episode of Writer's House in November, mm. I don't remember, 15th. Yeah. And there's a bit where I make a little noise on, on the episode and you all look at me with, and right at the end, I told you that I just got, yeah. I just got a text message being told that Marcus has picked me and we're going to do this book. Wow. But we had to keep it on the wraps for a little bit. Yeah. And then, you know, had, had some conversations before Christmas about how we wanted it to go and how things want to be planned out. And in early January, I wrote sort of a prototype chapter of just sort of, this is how chapter one might look. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked to Marcus yet. Let me know what you think about it. And he said, okay, well, Reed's a bit young. We'll, we'll, we'll tweak this, we'll tweak that, but you've got the right vibes. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's have a chat soon. And then we had our first conversation to start doing the early chapters. And it almost felt like a first date because you're going. Because, <laughs> I mean, for one, you're talking to, it's Rash- that weird thing yeah. where I'm talking to Marcus Rashford and yeah. I know loads about his life already. From a footballing side, right? So you don't want to go in too much and say, oh man, tell me about yeah. the PSG penalty. Tell me about yeah. this goal. Tell me about this goal. Tell me about your debut. Tell me about this stuff. Because, you know, and I've, I've had conversations with you, Eden, as well, similar mm-hmm. of where we're like writing stuff. And if I come at you right at the start and just ask you loads of questions about football, you're going to tune out a bit because yeah. that's all you've had, right? Yes. You've had that sort of conversation for 10, 15, 20 years. Those stories aren't so interesting to you. So when you start off, in that sort of conversation, you do have to treat it a bit like a date and go, tell me about your mum. Mm-hmm. What was your favourite subject at school? Mm-hmm. And just... What was he like? Was he okay with... Was he really cool about all that? Because oh, remember, I... it's a time when everything's happening for Marcus Rashford in respect of his persona and people are thinking about him. How, how was he dealing with all that at that, at that time? He's so... Calm. Mm-hmm. So his entire thing uh, that we you know, the more I talk to him is he spends a lot of time making sure he is just even keel, yeah. balanced, seven out of 10, doesn't get too excited, doesn't get too depressed, doesn't get too that. His whole thing's I need to make sure I am maintaining my levels because if mm. I don't, I don't really like it. Mm. Um, and he said that early on. And then eventually when we had more conversations, he opened up more about why. Um, and it all came down to a football game he had when he was 14 where he was really excited about this. He was the, England, uh, the victory shield. So he was playing right, for England yeah, in the 16s. Yeah. And he was re- like, he said the, the occasion got to him and he, oh. didn't pl- he played the occasion. He didn't play the game. And he said yeah. he played terrible for 45 minutes. And he went, if I get myself too worked up before a game, I'm not going to play well. So he just went, I'm never going to allow myself to do that wow. again. And you go, well, you were 14 and you said mm. you've never been stressed out since. And he goes, yeah, because he puts in so much focus and dedication That's amazing. and like relaxation to just being calm for every game. And like, there's certain things like if you talk to him about the PSG penalty, he doesn't really hype it up too much because he goes, mm-hmm. we got knocked out in the next round. Mm. Which That's is a Man United, that gives me a, a kind of Man United, growing up in a Man United Academy all the way through, that, that, that's a, an insight into that winning mentality of Manchester United. It didn't mean anything because it didn't go on to win something. Mm. Is he that what he's like? He, it's this really interesting thing where he is so focused about doing the things he wants to do, mm. but also he doesn't get, he doesn't get jealous and he doesn't get angry when those things don't come off, which I think is, is rare from an athlete, right? You get a lot of athletes who yeah. wear, have a chip on their shoulder and it's like, I'm going to do this to prove you wrong. Yeah. Whereas Marcus is very much, I'm going to do this because I, I play football to look after the people around me and I care about them. Mm-hmm. And Marcus has said stuff like if he plays in a cup final and he loses, he's going to be mad for about 20 minutes. But he also understands if you beat me, well done, because I know how hard it is to win a final. Yeah. And I know you can't, you don't fluke a final, right? And he's just like, yeah, well, that's it. And he'll just walk away. And I'm like, wow, that's, again, it's that weird thing of you've got that sort of, you know, people call it the mamma mentality of I'm going to be mm-hmm. number one, the best at everything. But also he's not a sore loser. He doesn't get angry after defeat. He's very, very good at breaking things down and not getting bitter and not getting angry at stuff. And he wants to take those lessons and share them with everyone else, right? Wow. He doesn't want 
he doesn't want the next generation of people to think that they have to win at the expense of other people. He wants everyone to understand we can all win together. Uh, and he told me those are things that he, you know, he was like, make sure you get this thing in the book. Make sure you get this <laughs> thing in the book. One thing he always said was, uh, one big thing from the United Academy was obviously he played two or three age groups up really early on because everyone yeah. realized how good he is. Um, and a lot of the coaches went, you use your brain like a sponge. So just absorb everything you can. And then when you get back down to your, to your regular age oh. level, just sort of rinse it all out and then try yeah. and spread that information with everyone else. And he takes that approach to everything in life. So if he goes, if he's on a Champions League game and he, he flies out to Paris and he learns about French food or French cinema, first thing he does when he comes home, he's just like, tell all his mates, do you wow. know they do this in France? Do you know they do this in France? Wow. And it's that thing of, he wants to get better all the time, but also works really hard so everyone around him is getting better. Because if it's, it's not, enjoyable for him if he's the only one who's getting better he wants to spread that wealth with everyone else and i think that's really cool from what, a football player what about the, the name you are a champion because um <laughs> you know what i mean that's 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 pretty out there in respects of bam you are a champion yeah that what's interesting from from marcus perspective is you read that and you go oh is that because you have to win medals to be a champion. Because no, because there's sort of three ways you can be a champion. There's a mm. champion in you win an FA Cup and you're an FA Cup champion. There's a champion in you can champion a cause. Yes. So, you know, the stuff he does off the pitch. Yes. And, so, you know, like your mum is a champion of you. Yeah. Your yeah. mum is always going to be someone's like, my son is so good or my daughter is so amazing. Mm. And then there's, yeah, you can be a champion for a person. So the way he views it is everyone has the potential to be a champion. Yeah, everyone already is a champion. If you're the sort of person who wants to look after your neighborhood or your area, you're a champion for that neighborhood or area. If you're someone who is really involved on your school football team, then you're the champion of your school football team. You don't mm. even need to win a game, but you're just someone that organizes stuff for the football team and like hands out flyers, then you're a champion for that. And if you're someone that does win competitions, then you're a champion that way. And mm. he, that's the way he views it. It's you're only in your own race. You don't have to be in competition with anyone else. You don't have to feel rushed with anyone else. It's not you have to do all these amazing things by age 18. Otherwise, it's the end of your life. It's yes. just do these things because you enjoy these things. And if you enjoy these things, do it to the best of your ability. And then it doesn't matter what happens afterwards. Yeah. Look in the mirror. You have to be able to look yeah. in the mirror. So is it, is it, is it from like his, his life up to this point? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, when's, it, when's it out? It's out on the 27th of May. So mm-hmm. day after the Europa League final, which I think okay. is pretty cool. Uh, it is for children aged 11 to 16 primarily, but we've also put some stuff in there that I think everyone will get loads out of as well. Um, and yeah, it, it tells loads of stories about his life from pretty much the age of four mm. up until basically the present day. One of the last conversations we had that I put into the book was from the international break, the last international break. So like really recent stuff. And it it just takes lessons from football, lessons from his time going to school, lessons from playing football in the park with his brother, uh, from his mum and whatnot, and just puts that in a way that he thinks it gives him valuable lessons to, to everyone. There's a there's a really nice bit where he describes his friendship group and how he found his friendship group and how he knows they're really, really important. Uh, and it all revolves around uh, a little game of knock a door and run. <laughs> I, won't, I won't give away too much, but I yes. think yeah, I, I've really liked it when he was telling that story. I guess there's every now and again, he tells me a story about his life. I'm sort of high eyes emoji going, aww. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm giving flowers, right? I'm giving flowers, um, Carlo, to then let me do a drum roll. Emma Hayes at Chelsea. The Don. You know what I love about Emma Hayes now? Because she is the Don. You know what I mean? I remember Mm -hmm. her first season at Chelsea, they finished second from bottom. Mm -hmm. But like she was part of that Arsenal um, 2006-7 quadruple team. And like everything you hear about her coaching and how she is and her ruthlessness and uh, just how good she is. You know what I mean? It's there for, for me now we're seeing, it's there for everybody to see it. Moose and I were talking about it a little bit on Stadio and we were saying that this season was, you could tell she was a little bit miffed about the points per game yep. from last season. Yeah. Obviously, for those who don't know, the Women's Super League was suspended when the pandemic came out and then the places were awarded based on points, points per game. Chelsea were champions. For a lot of people, or I think a lot of people suggested the possibility of an asterisk on that and Emma Hayes mm-hmm. was just like, fuck this. <laughs> and then basically went out and just done it did it and was just like, well, yeah, what yeah. now? They could win the Champions League. They're in the Champions yeah. League final. What do you think, Rye? What do you think, Rye? I think they're the favourites for the Champions League. Yeah. yeah. I think I, in, I, terms of, in terms of all-round squad depth and the, I mean, Barcelona, kind of going off on a tangent a little bit, but I think Barcelona have proved against the best sides in Europe that they're legit. You know, they just won the league this weekend with 123 goal Mm. Like a plus 123 goal difference wow. in 26 games. Wow. And they're, they've got 100%. Yeah, play 26, won 26. But they've, when they've come up against like PSG and Bayern, and uh, not Bayern because Chelsea played Bayern, but like when they've come up against the best sides in Europe in the Champions League, they've proved that they're legit. I still think that Chelsea overall mm. just have more ways to hurt. Yeah, they've got some- any other side in Europe, actually. Yeah. I think they're yeah, just yeah. the most complete squad. And that is down to Emma Hayes because you've seen, for example, one of the things that I think is so impressive about this season for Chelsea is that Chelsea signed Sam Kerr and Penilla Harder, yet a lot of people were like, whoa, Man City. Yeah. Because Man City came out and was like Lucy Bronze, Sam Mewis, Rose yes. Bell, Chloe Kelly, mm-hmm. and more. Yeah. Ellen White, you know, England's number nine. Yep. Could be a parallel with the men's team this year. Uh, this summer, you never know. <laughs> that was quite cool for Chelsea because yeah. it took the pressure. I'm not saying not saying it took the pressure off, but I think it took the heat off them a little bit, especially with like Lucy Bronze and, and Alan White signing yeah. for Man City, and then the two huge World Cup winners from the States. But the way that Emma Hayes has has, has managed that whole squad and obviously reintegrating Frank Kirby and yes. getting Frank Kirby that back ma- into an integral role. <sighs> that management, the management of her was amazing because she'll probably end up player of the season. She'll win it. I think she'll be, she'll be manager of the season and Frank Kirby, her management of Frank Kirby through those times. You mentioned signing Sam Kerr, you know, Penilla Hard, and then she is on the outside looking in because I've done an interview with her and she said, of course, you know what I mean? You're looking at those people and you're thinking to yourself because she had an illness. What's going to happen? When's it going to come back? Because we're not talking about an injury with Frank Kerr. Mm. We're talking about an illness. And Emma Hayes saying to her, I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how long it's going to take you. Take your time and get back. And she got herself back got her, and she put her straight back in the team. And that you again know, is such, a, such Belgium, an amazing thing. Amazing, because, especially Ryan. because of, right, you and I and Arsenal fans, we saw with like how Arsene Wenger was so committed to keeping players around mm. on the hope that they would get fit again, like with mm-hmm. Diaby and with Gazzola, yeah. for example. And I think yeah. he was really good at stuff like that. Not a lot of managers are in the men's game, but in no. the women's game, the fear and the lack of security around not being able to play again. Yeah, Most professional football players in the women's game are also training to do something else. I remember yeah. I, in- I interviewed Nadia Nadim once and she was basically like talking about when she went to Man City and how it didn't really work out. And a lot of people said that she went to PSG because of the money. And her literal words were, I don't give a fuck about the money. I'm training to be a, like a doctor. I'll make yeah. my money as a doctor. Yeah. yeah. The security isn't there for them. So yeah. for someone like Frank Kirby, which wasn't like a, oh, you've torn your ligaments, you're going to be out no. for six months. It was like, I, she didn't know what was happening, what was happening, whether it would get better, whether she'd mm. ever be able to play again. And I think Emma Hayes, again, this is one of the things I just think makes her so incredible is that 
you can't really maybe the maybe the only weakness that I think Emma Hayes has is that she has the most dreadful poker face. <laughs> That's it. It's true. That's yeah. it. Like, yeah. You, you know see exactly you what see emotion she's experiencing on the touchline. That is the only thing. Like, and there's nothing else the way tactically mm. you can't fault her. Rotating mm. the squad, you can't mm. fault her. A load Ruthless. of people a load of people are like, why is Beth England not playing this season? Mm. And it's like no one is saying that now. Ruthless. Managing injuries, like managing the emotional aspect of the injuries as well. Like we said with Frank Kirby, when like Mary Melder went down in the Champions League. Um, or miss the Champions League stuff for Chelsea. That that hit the squad really hard. She's just, I would use I would use the term unfuckwithable, basically. Yeah. <laughs> she you is. just cannot. You she cannot says she's not inter- Yeah, no, no, no. She says she's not interested in players' feelings, which, I, to a certain extent, I I do believe that. But I'm talking. She's talking about maybe from a ruthless picking them point of view and leaving them out point of view. She's not interested in those feelings. But we obviously see that she is interested in their feelings because she knows what Frank Kirby was probably going through. And you're right with what you say, right? And the, in, the, the security and the insecurities that they have about being injured to a woman. For her, for her to, to be as ruthless as she is, does, is the reason for me is, is why Chelsea are blasting it. And they will, for me, hopefully, I'd say. I, yeah. In fact, I'm going to say they will win the Champions League because I think they will. with her at the helm and for those Chelsea players, it would be unbelievable to finish it off. It would be yeah. unbelievable for them to finish it off. Cool thing about Chelsea, you know, they've got, they're the first club to have both. Champions League finals, finalists in both men and That's women amazing. in the same season. That's amazing. Someone actually asked me a question. I think it was Andrew Blair, who's a long-time stadio listener. He actually asked me mm. on Twitter, he said, could Chelsea very potentially have Champions League and league winners in both? next season I was just like whoa yeah it's a I mean shout. league maybe I mean I think is there's no way right right there's no way looking at Chelsea now and since Tuchel's been there to this point everybody everybody has got to be looking at him thinking well man it doesn't look like somebody you can get into his head in respects of saying things about you know t- just like mind games stupidness mm-hmm. nothing you could say about well what about the form of your striker he's not scored yeah he'll score he knows how to score when he scores, he'll score. Um, you know what I mean? Talking about whether, you know, like when he dropped Mason Mountain, he was like, oh, oh, he hasn't missed a game since. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The way that, um, the way he played against City the other day, it's, it's literally, it's just literally like, he's just, he's just taking his balls out and said, there they are, bro. Just <laughs> Louis Van Gaal there. Just <laughs> balls out. Go, do what you're doing. Because like the high line, <laughs> The I high line, hard did that. The, pre- the press, you've seen, you've seen people like Rudiger still going in when there's space behind him. And the only time yep. they got breached properly, and Kara showed it brilliantly on, um, on the Monday Night Football, is when, for the first time, Christensen got the wrong side. And so obviously being the wrong side, then, he's, he's, then, he's, then the ball's gone inside him. And then obviously he's, he's got it wrong, got himself injured, unfortunately, because he's been playing so well. But when you watch that in the first half, how in, in, in this day and age, how everybody's so afraid. Oh, look how high their line is. Look how they didn't care. Even when Rodri was on the ball, when they nicked the ball back off of him, guys, and then they went and scored. You have to say yes, but when you're playing with De Bruyne picking the ball up with that much space, Pep telling them to get it over the top because Raheem Sterling should have went, Jesus should have went. It's a different story. And this is what I was going to say to you guys. With the amount of players that were missing for City um, the other day um, in, in a 2-1 win, it must make a difference to how City are going to play. I'm not sure if it's going to make a difference to what Chelsea would do because for him to just go one-on-one with certain players, it's almost like Leeds, but like, I don't yep. know, just, just, with be- just with better kind of technical players. And I don't know, it just, it just felt like that. They weren't bothered about well, th- that's happening. I'm dealing with him here. It felt really, really ballsy. And they won the game off at of the back of it. But there's a lot of players missing for City in that game. For right. Chelsea as well. Like Chelsea rotated. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think that I've said, I said on Stadio to Musa, I think this feels like Yeah, but it was like nine a, for yeah. City, right? Nine. Yeah, yeah. But also... Chelsea were what, five? Yeah, but still. Yeah. I, the thing... Both teams haven't gone full strength yet. No, right? so, no. So FA Cup semi-final, this game as well. The Champions League final will definitely have different starting 11s. 
They'll have um, the full armor. They'll have all the gear from like like the Battle of Winterfell. <laughs> they'll, they'll pick up everything from like Call of Duty. Bam, 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 bam. Ready. I think Timo Werner. You know, with everything that's gone on, and you know, I like I said, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Playing well though, man. He is playing he well. Is. You know, he because is. I think that him coming with the RB lights in the twenty nine league goals or whatever it was. So he's coming, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's, yeah, he's a striker. He's this and that." But if you're going to bring him in as that player coming off the left or, you know, preferably off the left. He's having an unbelievable first season. Goals and assists. Unbelievable. If you take away the fact that everyone's saying he's missing so many... Mm -hmm. Honestly, another one of those players that cannot help stretching and working working teams. Just needs to stay on side a little bit more and he's fine. Yeah. Yeah, but he's he's, with his pace Mm. and the fact that in the current climate with them um, being offside through I don't know, a, a, an arm, a, an armpit or a shoelace, a, or, a shoelace <laughs> or a toe, he can literally give defenders a yard. Yeah. 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 Especially was, with the, it, Yeah. It was yeah. that second one though, where he yeah. ran through the middle, just where he could have just, through. Yeah, yeah, just hold it, hold yeah, it. That's the, that's the, but I think, I think again, that's, that's, I think to me is hit, is a player worrying about too many different things at the same time, mm-hmm. which I think is natural for his mm-hmm. first season and the difficulty and the shifting in intensity in the Premier League, well, the Bundesliga is an intense league, but I think the quality of the Premier League goes so deep mm-hmm. yep. that you don't get any, you literally don't, I mean, I, you don't really get that many weeks off in the Bundesliga, but you definitely don't get them, especially at a club like Chelsea when everyone's coming for you. I mean, yeah. weirdly, when he was, he was at RB Leipzig, which everyone hates anyway, so it wasn't <laughs> like he was at a massively popular football club. I can't remember, one of the Spurs players said it's really weird being, playing for a capital city team in London, right? So if you play again, if you're a Chelsea player, right, that means, mm. Arsenal absolutely hate you, so turn it mm-hmm. up to 11. Spurs absolutely hate you, turn up to 11. West Ham absolutely hate you, turn up to 11. There's just more <laughs> derbies because you're in London. Yeah. Uh, and he said that's a really interesting thing because you just have more, oh God, I can't. Intense I can't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so on top of the top six, you've also got all these extra inter-London rivalries, which I think mm, is yeah. interesting. What was there, six London but clubs in the six, Premier League yeah. this yeah. season? Mm. I mean, there's like no, what, what other city has that many derbies <laughs> in the top five? I mean, it's wild. Maybe yeah. some, maybe like South America, maybe, maybe Brazil, maybe Rio. That's why I think that if we're going to really be, um, if we're really going to say, yeah, that was a much bigger achievement than winning, winning the Premier League from London is much bigger. <laughs> 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 much harder games. Much there's, harder a target, games. there's a target on your back, right? <laughs> Angry goal, Tim O'Verna, Champions League final. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Question mark. <laughs> Oh, I like that. I mean, I was saying on Stadio that how this feels like Tuchel winning a battle over Pep as opposed to Chelsea winning a battle over Man City, if that makes mm. sense. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's in his head? Well, I mean, being... I mean, what Raheem Sterling came out after, this was the most interesting thing I thought. Mm. And you know, you're saying about Tuchel being ballsy. It's like, yeah. he made, he's already made Pep change stuff. Mm. Yep. Pep hates stuff like this. And I think Raheem Sterling after the game was like, yeah, we changed to to kind of match up against him. De Bruyne after the Leon game last season. Mm. Yeah, we have not really played that way this season. Wow. We did it for Leon, you know. <gasps> so it's not the first time that this has happened. I don't think it's a massive deal for Man City to lose this game because I think the players actually will be able to compartmentalise it a lot more than Pep will. Mm-hmm. Did you see him when Aguero missed that? Yeah. I think you said in the chat, right? M- Musa quoted it, like how Mendy deserves praise Man, there. Absolutely. Like, but the thing is, it's, it's, it's more... For me, when I done it, because I was doing it at um, Match of the Day, right? And obviously it's me and Shira sitting in there. And it was more, we were more talking about... Winding Lineker up. No, no. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> no, no, we said, we instantly said to the producer, you have to find a Brazil goal, yeah. a Brazil non-goal. But we were more talking about the fact that the frame of mind that he's in, Sergio Aguero, because he's not played all season. City have been magnificent since November. They haven't really needed him. He's not, he doesn't seem to me to feel part of this unbelievable surge towards, like, obviously, <clears throat> the, the Premier League and the Champions League. You know what I mean? He's not really done too much to get them there. So he's coming into this game and he's not really feeling the same energy as the rest of the players in respects of this has to be done and I need to be focused. And I need to, he's kind of still thinking about, yeah, I'm just going to do a Penenka. Why I started to think about it in this way is because it's as soon as Eve bit the apple, she realized she was naked. And the fact is, when he done the Penenka, he started to realize, oh shit, I've let my team down. This is why we saw the, um, 
the apology on Twitter, which I thought he didn't need to do when oh, you I look at yeah, what he's yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. And that is why I started to think of it like that because I still think that Mendy, magnificent, the way he just kind of yeah, like, yeah. he must have half thought, you know what I mean? Maybe he's run up. It doesn't look, it doesn't look, long. is he going to, and he made a great save because I thought it was a good Penenka and the height it was yeah, going to yeah. go into the goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was fine. So what we got to do is you got to give credit to the goalkeeper because if yeah. you look like an idiot, if you if you go down, it makes the goalkeeper look like, oh God, he's mugged him off. And if you do stand up and catch it, it makes the forward yep. look like an idiot. So the point I was making with Aguero is in that moment when he done that and him writing that tweet and apologizing has now put him in the frame of mind he should have been in the first place. Yeah. Okay. Because you understand. So that's yeah, why, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, this is why I'm thinking to myself, wow, so much is going on there. Yeah. So much is going on I think on the there. thing about M- Mendy was like, I was, I think I've said this before on Stadio, like I can't remember a more chill keeper wow. ever than Mendy. I think he's the most chill keeper I've ever seen. He's like, you know, you know, I think I was on Wrighty's house and I was saying that Telemans plays like he's whistling, right? Yeah. <laughs> like Mendy. So, I love it when you said that. It's still my favourite description. <laughs> Mendy looks like he's constantly got a mixtape on. It's true. <laughs> it's true, like, yeah. It, he's got like, AirPods, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind this of guy who's still got this a yellow a Walkman. <laughs> I think he's been low-key one of the signings of the season, actually. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. You know, we, we mentioned quickly Tielemans there. Leicester, do we give them much chance, especially their form now and they seem to be crumbling at the time when they shouldn't be. Yeah. I mean, before we move on to the actual cup final, who do you think, who do you think is going to do it in the Champions League final? Because um, we were talking about Chelsea City. I, I'm really confused simply because of the amount of players that was missing for, for City in that game. And I just like the way Chelsea played ballsy. Will they do the same with De Bruyne playing, with Mahrez playing, um, you know, with Gundogan playing? People, yeah, I, I just feel that this is it for City. They have to make it happen. Whereas Chelsea, obviously with Frank coming to the spot, then Tuchel coming in and then they're turning it around and then bam, they're in the final. But they seem to be going into the final with a lot more confidence, even though City are all conquering. But I'm probably going to still go with City. I think they have to get over the line simply to, to really to rubber stamp the dominance they've had over the Premier League for the last few years. I think they're going to just get over the line. I think it's going to be Manchester City. I think Champions League final is going to be tense. Yeah, uh, I do. I, I think that's a that's going to be a one-one extra time and penalties wow. Champions League final. Oh, you guys, Musa always falls for this. I have no idea. Can't call. <laughs> <laughs> when will you all learn? Uh, when will we learn? <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah, but I like to the FA Cup final. I'm definitely going to go for Chelsea um, in the final. I just feel that the form of Leicester, even if it's an, like an FA Cup where people can do things on the day, I just think that Chelsea are so, they're so militant in the way they're playing at the moment. They're so, it's scary. so good and it's quite scary. And there's mm-hmm. players, they've got enough players on there that just can win. Whereas mm-hmm. you look, you look at Leicester and I'm looking at Tielemans, yes, Kelechi, but then you kind of like, you're getting Kante in and around Tielemans and that, just blotting people, bro. Where's the, where's the, where's the creation coming from? No Evans, maybe. You see mm. Sionchu and if, uh, Fafana the other day looked very out of place. That was Newcastle, bro, hammering them. Their, their line was so high. Mm-hmm. They can't do that against Timo Werner, surely. And if I just can't see, I can't see Leicester beating them. And yeah. I can see Chelsea winning at a canter, in fact. There's a sweet Ooh. spot. I think it was for the, was it the fourth Newcastle goal? Where Leicester played quite a high line, but Schmeichel mm. doesn't play high enough. No, he doesn't come out. Like he, and it, basically there was, there was a bit where Callum Wilson broke through and you're like, oh, you, you expect to see Schmeichel in shot any yeah. minute, any minute. And he kept, and he was like, Didn't, wait, he's not yeah. there. He's still mm. not there. Oh, now he's in the box. And, yeah. and I think that's going to, that's going to, I think that's something that Rodgers will look at because I think he's pretty good at, at pulling out things like that. But I'm a little bit worried about Leicester, actually. Yeah. I mean, not that, you know, they're going to finish top six, mm-hmm. no doubt. You don't think they're going to finish in the top four? I, I, I think hard running. I think I think hard running. So obviously we're recording this ahead of Man United Leicester. So right, maybe so we don't know. know. Maybe we'll know more more. by this. But I was going to say with Leicester, they may squeeze past like the end of cars when Lightning McQueen. (laughs) Lightning McQueen. (laughs) When Lightning Lightning. McQueen has to use his tongue to get on the line. (laughs) 
<laughs> if Liverpool win their game in hand, I would be very nervy. But obviously, yeah, a lot of this depends on the Man United result, which will have happened by the time people Man United are rest so. players as well, though, surely, Carl. They've got three games now in a week. And they've I got also, the final as well. Some, you know what I mean? They've got to rest some players. I asked Sol Show about this on Sunday. What did he say? Um, because he's, I've been talking to him about period. He keeps talking about fitness. Um, mm. he's, the way he compliments players like Pogba and Cavani, he goes, yeah, well, you know, at the start of the season, they weren't fit. And then they got fitter and now they're good. Their talent was never in question. And I said, oh, mm. how do you maintain fitness in a COVID season? And he went, oh, you know, we've got some, we got some methods and it's been quite hard, but we do this. Uh, and then on Sunday, I went, well, how are you going to do it when you've got to play midweek? And he said, well, mm. and then you played Europa League against Roma and played on Sunday. They're out on Tuesday. Mm. And I was just sort of, you know, looked at the whiteboard, crossed off some names and I said, mm. well, that only leaves six lads. <laughs> so Solskjaer already told me that he's not doing, he's barely going to do any training this week. It's all going to be classroom sessions, which yeah. I think is going to be really interesting. I used to like those. The classroom you, sessions? Yeah, man. Who do you reckon is the one at the back throwing stuff? <laughs> 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 Definitely Pogba, bro. Yeah, Pogba's, yeah, Pogba. I think Pogba's yeah. a, a paper thrower from the back. What was the classroom sessions like in Arsenal then? They have them in the afternoon, especially when we, especially when you in the afternoon, you've done a couple of sessions, then they do a video session. And I literally could not stay awake. I couldn't stay awake. I was like doing the nodding, <laughs> nodding dog. It was, it was horrible to watch. Horrible to watch. Was that with, uh, was that with George Graham? George Graham. Who was George in the front row? Uh, t- 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 Tony Adams, all the defenders, oh, fucking. <laughs> oh, love you, boss. Who knows the answer? Just the back four, all the arms went up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the thing. No, I never used to put my hand up when he used to say, so what do we do? So what would you do in this situation? You know, just sit there like this. And then Tony Adams or Lee Dixon would go, well, what do you do in this situation? Is and said, yeah, well done, Lee. Well done, Lee. <laughs> and I'd fuck, shut up. <laughs> I, I always imagine that winter burns the proper... Winterburn would be the one like, oh, I know, I know, I know. No, 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 Nigel, can I tell you my first, my, my first encounter with the team, obviously my first game. So I signed, I signed midweek. Yeah. So, that, so I was straight into Leicester. And remember, um, that, and, and I think the Leicester game was either Tuesday or a Wednesday. It might have been on Tuesday. But I remember the Monday, it was my, well, my first training, real first training session with them. And you know what I mean? I was, fuck, I was so nervous, man. So nervous, kept giving the ball away in the run, though, all that sort of stuff. And they were saying, well, what we signed, how much? Jesus Christ. <laughs> and so it was one of those where Alan Smith was playing on the Tuesday. And then on the Tuesday, the game came around. George Graham pulled me um, just before we went on the bus and said, you're playing. Alan didn't pass a fitness test. And that was one of those situations where, have you ever had a cold sweat? Mm-hmm. Because like, remember, I've gone for two and a half million. I'm petrified. I'm at Arsenal. They've been champions the last two years out of three. And all of a sudden I'm playing. I haven't really played in the team, just a couple of sessions with them. And I remember we came in at half time. And remember, George Graham is this disciplinarian, right? Where everybody's saying, oh, don't say enough, George. Oh. David Grokos would say to me, oh, George is such a disciplinarian. Oh my God, don't say anything to him. And I remember we came in at half time at Leicester and he, he blasted into Steve Bold, right? Really? And oh. honestly, I'm talking about, Baldy, you effing this and that. And then, I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, so I'm sitting like this, um, like just looking because like Steve Coppel never shouted that loudly, never, ever. And so I'm thinking, oh God, here it is. This is the disciplinarian. Boldy got up and started to fucking hammer him, hammer him back. What the F are you talking about? I done this and that, you fucking, and this and that. And then he went like this. Nigel and <laughs> Nigel went, don't every Nigel me. Fucking Nigel. Honestly, this is how I was sitting. I was sitting like this. Oh, oh wow. my God. I couldn't believe it. And then, <laughs> and then George Graham were like this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? All the time. And then Nigel, my Nigel wouldn't stop. Cause that's what Nigel's like with his little left hand like this. <laughs> pointing his finger. Like every, every game, every game, I'm getting the same shit. And he says, okay, Nigel. Okay, Nigel. <laughs> But like, that was when, and then it wasn't long after that, right? So I'm into it. And then when he started digging me out, I started digging him back out. <laughs> Is that what it? It's like, yeah. you created a monster life. You created oh. a monster. <laughs> Listen, guys, it's been a blast. Again. Pleasure. Thank you very much, Carl. Thank you very much, Ryan. I'll see you soon. Absolutely. See you in the, see you in the, um, the WhatsApp house. Mm-hmm. Good group, that. It's a it's great a good group. group. Moose's takes after the vaccine. Oh my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> 
Thanks very much for listening. I love doing Righty's House and I love the I love the comments coming back. All very constructive. Thank you very much for them. All welcome. We'll probably see you again next week. I'm very excited about this week. I can't lie. The FA Cup final. I do love the FA Cup final. So um, we'll be probably speaking about that and how that come out because I want to see if Chelsea are going to do it and win and then go on to the Champions League. And then we see what guys are. I'm, I'm rambling. But listen, guys, I'll see you again soon. I love you, man. Be safe. <laughs>